Welcome to VeteransCast.com. I'm Tim. And when we left off with episode four with our buddy CBK, we were talking about boot camp. Well, got more boot camp stories. I'm sure if you are out there in the military, you have plenty of boot camp stories as well. So be sure to get a hold of me at uh, Tim at VeteransCast.com. We can talk about your boot camp stories. I uh, recently became aware of some new websites out there where, you know, obviously there's a lot of Facebook groups in regards to veterans. But uh, there's uh, uh, We Served, I think, is one of them I've, I've just joined. So we'll see if that provides any leads in regards to trying to get some other people and other veteran stories because, like I said, those boot camp stories, everybody's got a crazy boot camp story. And you heard a couple of them from last week. I have a few more that uh, I'm going to share with you. I guess not last week, last episode. It's been a couple weeks since we did an episode. So, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about the gas chamber. We talked about a couple other things. The commie tag. Apparently, my, my mom listened to that and didn't realize that that what is what happened to me in the Navy. I'm like, yeah, that a lot more happened, Mom. Maybe I should be very careful about what I say because, you know, if your mom's listening, sometimes you don't want to share things that, Maybe you wouldn't want your mother to know, but uh, I don't care now. You know, it's all, it was all, all, as I say, water under the bridge or water under the ship or ship, boat, whatever you want to call it. So if you remember in boot camp, specifically in the Navy, I'm not sure how it was in, in other services, but in the Navy, we would have what is thing, a thing called service week. About I think it was about six weeks in a boot camp, maybe five you would do a week of service. And what that included is your company or sister companies or whatever they were. A lot Actually, because a lot of the companies would, would graduate at the same time. So there would be a bunch of companies and they'd all split up and they'd send their people to go run the base. That included laundry service, included the, the galley and, and the, you know, doing the, the, the food service and whatnot. And then also the leadership got to go and run the drill hall and practice what they would end up having to be doing for their graduation. So they would send the, the AROC and the ARPOC to the drill hall, and then they'd also send the guide men and uh, I think the yeomen, if I remember correctly. They'd send them to, the, uh, to run the drill hall as well. And it would be a 24-hour shift, so we would work half the, the day in the morning, and then the other crew would have to come in and work the overnight shift. And apparently it was better to work the overnights because there was no senior military folk there, and they had the run of the place, ping-pong tables, pool tables. They found, like, little areas of the drill hall that nobody knew about, or, I mean, obviously people knew about them, but nobody knew that they were in those areas. So I heard those stories of those, those people getting, being able to do that. But I was glad to just have the regular shift because we also had people who would, you know, for service week, they would have to get up if they worked in the galley, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then they're there all day, all day slaving away, you know, doing the food stuff. And I never had to do that. I never actually had to do that in my entire Navy career. I, I, I avoided that type of service week. I mean, I know, or any type of service. I've avoided doing, having to peel potatoes in the galley. Um, I avoided the laundry. I got lucky that way because a lot of people who I served with, I know, ended up doing those duties as part of just, you know, coming of age in your military service. You know, the lower ranks would do that while the upper ranks didn't. So 
we're at the drill hall and we're with a bunch of other a rocks and our pox and what like i saying, what we're doing is training so if you get a chance if you're not a navy veteran or a military veteran go and check out a uh, graduation on youtube or something like that and you'll see they're very orchestrated events now we weren't part of the uh, demonstration companies because they if you have some talent or skill when you get in the navy whether it's playing the tuba or singing or, or whatever sometimes they identify you and then you get to go and be in the performing companies and you get to do the graduations and look cool and do the drills and all that stuff but every company does have to march and and you're led by the AROC or the ARPOC and then the AROC is a backup so you have to kind of practice that and, and make sure that that each of us knows exactly how we're going to lead the company with our little sword or big sword whatever and go through all the ceremonial things that happen in a Navy graduation so you have to practice that so we would practice that in the drill hall you turn on all the the, the music in there and so you, you had that felt like you were at graduation and I remember my recruiter took me to and a bunch of us took me to a, a Navy graduation before um, I actually got in and that was the one luxury of being in the Chicago area and going to Great Lakes for boot camp is that you, you were we had that opportunity to go and see what a graduation is all about so I kind of already had a, a feel for how it was going to go based off of my experience there so it was interesting you know it was interesting to kind of go through all that and we would have um, the practice and we would hand off the they would hand off the sword to the assistant recruit chief petty officer of the AROC because in case the RPOC went down you know, for whatever reason. You know, a lot of times in graduation, you're standing for a long time and some, you know, they tell you not to lock your knees because you're going to cut off the circulation. And we've had, there have been people who have had to go down to one knee or not be able to continue the graduation. And that's why we had to kind of practice in case the guy in charge couldn't do it, number two in charge had to step up. That's the military way. Uh, battlefield promotion, basically. So we would practice back and forth, and I remember um, it was they they would have the graduate every week. There was a graduation, and there was a Thursday night where they'd have the companies in, kind of going over what they was going to go over the whole, their whole weekend. Because a lot of times, in most of the graduations, and they may have changed this, but most of the graduations were Friday afternoon, in uh, or Friday morning, Friday afternoon, at Great Lakes. Our graduation was actually a special graduation, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and it was at the main Navy base, not on the recruit base at Great Lakes. It was actually moved to the main Navy base for some special occasion. So we were a little different, but most of them actually took place either if it was wintertime, they were in that, that drill hall, or they had them out on the uh, ex exhibition, whatever they called it. And so... But Thursday night, before graduation, they'd have all the companies in, and I forget, like, I think they would have their parents, social, whatever. So all the companies were in there, and then the chief who was in charge of the, who was at the time in charge of the mess, or the, uh, not the mess hall, of the, uh, of the drill hall, he would talk to the, to the uh, companies and say, tell them, you know, what to expect for the week and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then, but he had this, he had this tradition, and I don't know why he, he had it, but he would get up there, get, get ready to, to talk, and then he would say, a uh, RPOC, whoever the duty RPOC was, which just happened to be me. He'd say, you need to go and get, uh, you need to go and get me some, uh, uh, a coffee with, with two sugars. 
And it, now, you know, kind of kind of going back a little bit, I remember depending on when you came in, they would make, even though it was all just like more of the leadership of each company, they would pick two to be the leader of those guys. And for some reason, it was me and the other guy. I was the number two. He was number one of the service week people. So not only were we in charge of our company when we were there, but then we ended up being in charge of the other people who were in charge of the company. So that's why I had to be there for this event. And, you know, I had to work overtime. Yeah, there is no such thing as overtime in, in the military, as you know. But I had to be there, and I had to stay late. And so I'm standing there just to get this guy a cup of coffee with two sugars. So here we go. I'm all, I know this is going to happen. And we, he had actually instructed me prior to him leaving that night, and he came back. He's like, this is what I'm going to ask you for. You better have it. So there he goes. He says, hey, Arpak, go get me my coffee. All right, so as he's talking to the guys. So I got to go in and do this. So I go in and get the coffee. No problem. Coffee is really easy in the military. If I never drank coffee. I still don't drink coffee. But if I would have, I should. Actually, I should have because coffee was always available in the military. It's crazy. There's coffee. I think golf courses and coffee, something about that with, with the military. But I was able to go get the coffee and no problem. Pour the coffee, went to the sugar, and the sugar's we're all gone. So I, I am like, what the heck? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm freaking out. This guy, you know, in front of all these people, I'm going to have to bring him his coffee. He's going to scream and yell at me. I'm going to have to do push-ups, whatever it might be. So I'm flipping out. I'm trying to find sugar. I don't know where to go. And something tells me, because we did have the keys to all the, uh, anyway, the keys to the offices, they were all open, you know, that's what we we're there for, to stay and watch. So I go into his office and I go to his desk and I'm like, maybe, just maybe. And I open up the top drawer, and there's four sugar packets. Save the day by going into his office, because he probably knew that he needed that emergency sugar supply backup. I was able to utilize that and not, you know, be able to accomplish my mission of getting the coffee and the sugars. But let me tell you, that was a very stressful event. So I, I do that, and, and it's funny because... This chief was originally from Elmhurst, Illinois, and he, that's where he grew up. And my whole family was from Elmhurst, Illinois, and we had, dis, for some reason, discussed that earlier in the week. And so he started, ah, I probably knew your dad, I probably knew your uncles, and blah, blah, blah. So we, there was a little bit of camaraderie there right off the bat. So I remember bringing him the coffee, and, you know, this is one of those events that sometimes happen in, in the military, specifically in boot camp. I mean, you are scum. You are nothing. You are, you know, they, they want to make sure that you, they know or that you know that they're superior and you're not. And you're not a sailor truly until you complete boot camp. But this was kind of a cool moment. So I go and hand him the coffee after going through this whole ordeal to try to make sure that he's got the sugars. And I go and hand him the coffee and he looks at me and he's like, thanks, bud. And I was like, wow, he just called me Bud. He didn't call me Maggot. He didn't call me, you know, uh, Squid or whatever. He didn't. He just said, thanks, buddy. And so I, I had a smile on my face, and I go to my post, and I'm standing there. Now, if you remember in boot camp in the Navy, and I don't know how this was in other, in other services, but the boot camp in the Navy, they would have the guys, that the, the inspectors, who would just be walking around, and they had a different color. Uh, they might I still had a red, uh, uh, the red, whatever it was, but they, they may have had a different color too, but they were the inspectors and they would come around and they would 
sometimes asked to see your book. You know, you had this chip book, and you had to you had to be able to you know ask you a general order. They may ask you whatever, and if they didn't, they'd write you like they'd write you they write you up if you uh, if you didn't answer the question correctly and whatnot. So I'm standing, you know, waiting. I'm actually at parade rest. And while they're doing all this stuff, well, one of these guys walks up to me, and I've got a smile on my face because I just had this great interaction with this chief. So I got this smile on my face, and the uh, this inspector comes up and he goes, "Hey, he goes, hey, uh, a rock, I want to see your book." And so, or, or he might have asked me something. He, I think he asked me something like, "Hey, rock, how are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just fine, sir." He goes, "Oh, you always talking parade rest?" <laughs> Snap to attention right away. Boom. Snap to attention. No, sir. He goes, "Ah." Let me see your book. So you got, you know, you had the book where all your notes. And you had, he starts going through it. He goes, "You writing any notes or, or you know, letters to your girlfriend in this book?" I go, "No, sir. Everything is is right how it's supposed to be." And he's looking at it. and He goes, "Yeah, a rock it is. But you know what? I'm going to go in that office with your buddies and I'm going to go check their book and I'm going to tell them you told me to go check their books. So they better not have anything wrong in their books." So he goes in there, and I'm like standing, and I'm like, oh, crap. And I hear him yelling at those guys and this and that. And they all knew. Everybody kind of knew that I didn't tell him to go and do that. But still, you know, they just would mess with us. And, you know, this great night, and now whew, uh, here I thought I was going to be in trouble. I ended up, it was just, he was just messing with us as usual. Nobody got in trouble that night. But we did, you know, it was a little nerve-wracking. One of the other things I do remember about the service week is that we were able to go on our own. We did not necessarily march together as a company because everybody was spread out doing their own thing. But if you weren't marching in a company, you had to double time. So you would have to jog. And that's was, so that was kind of an interesting thing to, to always do. And then if you were jogging, if you were with another person, you would have to make sure you jogged in step. So those are always those fun things because once again, if you weren't, you can get you know, ticketed or, you know, for whatever it was and, and end, up, end up in trouble. So, so that's how that service week went. Like I said, I was lucky to avoid the, um, the galley, but it was fun at the, at, the, at the drill hall, and it was, you know, like I said, we had those little crazy things. So now, you know, the other things that, you know, you continue on with, with that boot camp, and as you start to get longer in boot camp or older in boot camp, the, the company commanders, you'd see less and less and less of the company commanders because they know now you know how to get to the mess hall. You know what you're doing. And if they get any reports, they just come and cycle your, you know, your butts. So it was just nice to kind of be able to do our own thing and, you know, progress to that graduation. And I remember you know, in the Navy, they do require some physical training, physical fitness, and you do get a physical readiness test prior to you being allowed to exit boot camp. And so, you know, they tell you, you got to do, I forget, it was like 55 push-ups, X amount of sit-ups. you got to run. But you run, when you run a mile or two miles, I think, or a mile and a half, you had to run in, in time, at least in boot camp. Once you got out of boot camp, you could just run your own race, and it was up to your squadron to do it, but, or your unit or whatever it was. But you had to run in time, so that way they made sure everybody at least made the minimums because they, they had minimums based off of your age on what you had to do. And so, and if you didn't pass, then you'd have to go to intense physical training or you'd have to go to the fat squad, I think they called it, where then they put you on a, on a diet and they check your, you know, your weight and all that stuff. But if I remember correctly, I think the minimum amount of push-ups that were required were like 35, but they tell you you got to do 55. And so I had, 
you know, going into the Navy, my upper body strength was minimal at that. I played sports. I had a great lower body, you know, physique, strength, but my upper body never was, I never really lifted weights a lot. Didn't really like it. So my upper body lagged. Push-ups for me were never easy. And so I was nervous about that all the way through the Navy. And I would go up because they would give you physical tests along the way. You'd have to step up through them. I made them all the way to the final step without having an issue. But I knew I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do 55 push-ups. But there was tricks to it. You know, you didn't have to go all the way down. You just had to make it look like you were going down and kind of like do a jerk so it looked like you were going down. So I tried to follow those, those tricks. And, I, and they would do it in cadence. It would be down, up down, up, that type of a thing. So they start this test for the push-ups. And, I mean, I'm doing fine through the first 30. We get to about 40, and things are struggling a little bit. We hit 45, and I'm like, I am now not in rhythm anymore. But I'm trying to do the, the trick. I'm trying to keep the trick going. Boom, boom, boom. But then by the time we hit 50, I'm just holding on, holding on for dear life. And they walk around. There's only a couple guys who walk around, though, and they're looking to see what's going on. And so they'll, they had these little, like, bean bags or something, and they would drop it. If they dropped the bean bag on, at you, you failed. So I'm going, I'm going. And then they have you help. You would hold, you know, the, the, the plank position for a while after you were done. So I, I, I remember struggling through those last couple push-ups, and then they're like, 55. And I'm like, I barely made 52, probably. So I'm holding that plank position. And the guy's walking around with the beanbag, and I'm like, please don't put the beanbag. Please don't put it. And he walks right by me. Later, I found out, like I said, I think the minimum was 35, but they want to tell you 55 so that way they, they could fail you if they wanted to, I guess. But So I didn't fail it. So I'm all happy now. And then the sit-ups was no problem. The run was no problem. So, But that was part of it. Like you had to, That was like the final test. You wouldn't be able to get out. You know, the other thing they did, and this was early on, I didn't mention this before, because obviously it's the Navy, you had to have some ability to swim. So I think the requirement was, if I remember correctly, they, they'd have you jump off like a mini high dive. It would simulate jumping off a ship. You'd hit the water, and you didn't have to do this in your dungarees. You did it in a bathing suit. So you jump off, you're in the water, you swim to the side until everybody's done jumping. And then... They have you let go, and you have to tread water for five minutes. Not pretty, uh, pretty hard to do. But I guess for some people, you know, they were afraid of the water, never learned how to swim, you know, for whatever reason. And so this became a, a very difficult proposition. And if you didn't, then they'd have to train you how to swim and, and do whatever they needed to do to, to get you uh, up to the Navy standard. So, but they also, so that was like, uh, I think, a third-class swimming certification. Everybody had to have that. Then the next one was second class, and that was for, like, air crewmen and, and others. Well, I wanted, if you remember, I wanted to fly. If you remember from some of these other podcasts, I wanted to fly. So I volunteered to take the second class swimming e- exam right after. Because they're, they're like, who wants to do it? You only need to do it if you think you want to fly. And they didn't want anybody to do it. I found this out later. They really don't want anybody to do it, but they have to offer it. So I, I'm the only one out of about 100 guys who's going to try this second class swimming exam exam and so they're like do you know that this is the three strokes blah 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 so i'm like all right i kind of know them. i've never had any formalized swimming training since i was you know in kindergarten i don't know anything about strokes but i think i know what they are because i did some research on them before i went in the navy so i jump in and i start the test because here we go 
I got halfway down, and all of a sudden I feel this. It's some SEAL, Navy SEAL guy who's underwater, and he yanks me, and he's, he's telling me to go to, to the side. So I go to the side, and he goes, there, you failed. Get out of the water. I didn't do it. I, I, I don't know how I failed. I think I, it didn't matter. I think I could have had a perfect stroke, and I was going to fail because I didn't want anybody to do it. So I failed. I got out of the water and went back in line. Um, but that was, you know, that, that was another part of what you had to do. You had to pass that swimming, that initial swimming qualification. And it was interesting to see some people who were scared to jump. And luckily, grew up in the water. With, you know, I knew, learned how to swim when I was four years old, so it was no big deal. But it is for some. In fact, I know like in even aircrew school, I heard stories like you had to swim a mile in your, in your, in your flight suit. Didn't have to do anything like that, but... You had to get in the water. Hey, you're in the Navy. Come on. You might, your ship might get sunk. It, it has happened before in time. So, so those are all the things like you needed to do to graduate. So you, we, we had the, the swimming test. You had the, the physical fitness part of it. But you're working your way to that, to that graduation. Now, like I mentioned earlier, our graduation for, for the, I think we had eight companies that graduated. We had our special graduation. So instead of graduating on a Friday, we were graduating on a Saturday. So we, we had to march over to the, the naval base side and on this grass, and, and they, it was a big deal. I mean, it was actually kind of cool, to be honest with you. Cause, and they kept telling us how cool it was, like how special you guys are to be able to go graduate over there. You don't have to graduate in the parking lot. You're going to go graduate on the grass. I remember it was sunny, it didn't rain. I remember we had to march over there a couple times to practice, um, it was nice to do that because you'd been on this base for six, six weeks. Oh, I almost forgot something, which is, which this was a big thing, which I, I can't believe I, I didn't almost mention. I'm glad I, I remembered. We would, the, the recruit base had two sides. There was uh, the main road, I think it's 178 or something like that. I forget the name of it. Um, but there's a main road and it's split. It's, there's Navy base is kind of split all over that area, but the recruit side is split into two. And in order to get to the other side, there was a tunnel. And when you went through that tunnel, you had to sing Anchors Away. And that was because it, it was echoing in the tunnel, and that's just part of what you did. And that's like instilled some of that pride. And to this day, I, I do remember the words to Anchors Away because you had to. Every time you went under there, you sang it. And we didn't have to sing Anchors Away going, going to the Navy base. We actually marched around the road on the outside, but... I just I forgot that. That was one of those things that we had to do. And I don't know if they had to do that anywhere else, but we did it there. So back to the graduation. So it's a beautiful Saturday, lots of people. We graduate. Now, like, like I mentioned, Great Lakes was only about eh, 45, 40, 45 minutes from where I grew up. So it was really easy for my parents to be there, other people, because they could just drive. It was no big deal. And what happens after, so you graduate on Saturday, then they let you go, then you're on Liberty, and you have to, I think, if I don't remember, I think you had to come back. You had to be back that night, but you could be out, yeah, you did. You, had, you could be out for the day and, and into the evening, but you had to be back. And then the next day, Sunday, they gave you Liberty because they figured family was in town, and so they let you go out, and then you had to be back Sunday night. Now, a lot of times, your, your boot camp departure date was based off of your arrival date. So our company started on a Thursday so even though we graduated on a Saturday we couldn't leave till Thursday but we were done with boot camp per se we've graduated but we still had four more days to do so kind of like a prison sentence <laughs> four days to parole 
But they let us go out just for that weekend. Then we were stuck back on the base for four days until we could go home. So we come back, you know, we go out. I, I actually don't even remember that the graduation day. I'm sure I did something with my parents. I know the next day w there was some sort of family function that I was going to go to on Sunday, but my stepbrother had to come and pick me up so we could go to that family function. So they have us muster in the drill hall, that same drill hall that I was mentioning about, to get ready to leave. And they're giving us kind of the rules and what to do. And, and there's all, there is, all, I think there was nine companies, or eight companies. There's eight companies in there, which is usually, which is kind of big actually, even back then, to have all, have eight companies. But they wanted as many companies as they could for this special graduation. So we get eight companies in there, lots of people. And our company just happens to be centered pretty much right on the chief who is given this briefing about what's going to happen that day and, and what you're able to do and go out. So we're standing there. And the, he's going through, because like, he knows the area, so he's telling everybody what they can do. Because not everybody has family there. So the people have family. We're going to go with their family. Other people, we're going to go downtown, do whatever. You know, I know CBK, we don't have him here with us today, but he talked about going downtown Chicago when he was in his Navy garb, you know, and that type of stuff and for the day. So he's talking about what we're doing. Well, I'm standing, you know, in the formation. So I'm, I'm at the front of the formation just behind the RPOC, just behind the guy in charge. I'm just a little bit behind him. And he was the only person allowed to wear a watch in, the, in, in boot camp. So that way we were able to get to places on time. Nobody else was allowed to wear a watch. Well, he had a watch that had a beep thing on it. And so I don't know why I did this, but his watch was, was I was just to his right, and he was wearing it on his, his watch on his right hand. Or it doesn't matter. I might have been to his left. Either it doesn't matter. The watch beeps. And I hear the watch beep, and I kind of look down at it. I turn my head, and I kind of look down at the watch. Like, why is his watch beeping? I don't know how, but that chief who was given the briefing, he catches my eyes and head turn. He stops right in the middle of the briefing in front of eight companies. I mean, it's a couple hundred people, a couple hundred sailors. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, Arpak, am I wasting your effing time? Am I wasting your effing time? Why don't you walk and get up here and tell me when to shut the F up? So that way you can go. Why don't you do that? Why don't you walk up here and tell me when I am, I am talking too much and I'm wasting your time? I'm like, oh, crap. I am, you know, I am crapping in my pants because, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to pull my liberty. I got my, my stepbrother who's waiting at the front gate. And I'm like, so I, I walk up like about 10 steps. And then, you know, after he's done yelling at me, then he goes back to just his normal tone about talking about what to do in Chicago. And, and then he's like, all right, man, dismissed. And I'm standing there and, I, and everybody's leaving and I'm standing there like at attention. And he's just kind of looking around, looking by me. And so about 30 seconds to a minute goes by. And I just say, sir, request permission to be dismissed. He kind of looks at me. Get the F out of here. So I was able to leave. But I thought at that particular point, I might not be leaving boot camp on time. I was able to go to, oh, I was sweating it. I was really sweating that one. And it, uh, oh, why did I look? I don't know. I learned to this day, if a, if a watch beeps, you don't want to look at it, especially if somebody's looking at you. 
So we got, it, got in the car with my stepbrother. We went to the family event and got back on time and, and that and everything was good there. So we spent, like I said, the next four days at boot camp. And, and it was kind of cool because when you've graduated, you wear your whites. You're not in your dungarees anymore. You wear your white working uniform and everybody knows that you've graduated. However, you know, you're not under the same level of scrutiny maybe to the T, but you still are a little bit. And if you screw up, they send the whole company to that intensive training. So you got to be real careful about what you're doing because you've already graduated, you're not in competition, so you still have to follow all the boot camp rules. But you're in white, so everybody kind of doesn't mess with you as much. Well, I remember our, our POC, for some reason, he got sent, he had to go to intensive training. He did something wrong in boot camp, and the, the company commander says, you're going for one day, one day at the end, when, and, and you're going to go do that, and the AROC is going to take the company to breakfast. So finally, I get to be in charge. He's gone for the morning. I'm in charge of the company, and I'm going to march the company to breakfast. And I've been wanting to march the company for so long because I knew I could drive better than our, our POC. I was the one giving the cadence, but I knew I could drive the company better. It seems kind of interesting, but you are driving. When you're out in front of a mass of you know, we'd be three by three, or you'd be three, three in columns, you know, with two masses, one in front of the other, three and three, or you'd be next to each other where you'd have a six, six abreast. And to be able to kind of maneuver, you need everybody to be on the same page and everybody's got to be, you know, knows how to march. And now remember, we're, we're graduated. So we've gone through all the marching. We should be pretty good at this. But I couldn't wait to drive. So now I'm driving the company. We go to breakfast. We're coming back for breakfast, and we are going right down the middle in between two barracks where we're masked, we're, we're masked up. So we've got, we're six abreast. But I got to park us. And I'm coming down, and there's a company on the left. There's a company on the right. There's one spot where we might fit. And there's a dumpster that's kind of like a big, you know, one of those big construction dumpsters that's blocking it. But I know we can fit. I've always been a good parallel par parker, and I can parallel park a company too. I knew I could. But we're marching, and now I'm not giving cadence because I'm the guy driving. So I tell the company, all right, guys, you need to do exactly what I tell you, exactly what I, what I tell you when I tell you so we can get out of here. Otherwise, we're going to have to march around again until we can find a place to park. So... <laughs> I'm like, all right, this has got to work. If, I don't, if these guys don't hit this on the tee, it's, it, we're going we're gonna to look like a mess. We might all have to go to IT, intensive training. So it was, we're coming in, and I'm you know, ready. All right, you guys, listen, here we go. It was to your left flank, march. To your right flank, march. Company, halt. Just like that. It all had to boom, 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 and we would park it perfect. I'll tell you what, these guys hit it to a T, and they follow my instructions I mean, you couldn't have gotten any better. It was probably the best we ever marched. I, put the, I parallel parked these 85 guys, and they, I had the biggest smile on my face. Everybody had a big smile on their face. We didn't have to march around again. We got to go back in the barracks. So that's my fame. That's my glory days of boot camp. Really, my only glory day of boot camp was that moment right there because, like I said, I thought I wasn't even going to be leaving boot camp a couple days earlier than that. So that brings us to the final night of boot camp. And it's interesting because as, uh, as the AROC or, and the ARPOC, 
Well, one, let me, go, let me take a step back. They, you know, this is long before, I mean, they had direct deposit, but this is long before it was very popular. So they would hand out checks to everybody, and now everybody got paid for their boot camp time. And then they allow you to go cash that check so you have money to get home or whatever. So people have a, wads of cash. So because of that, they end up assigning two watches, one at the, at the front of the barracks, one at the back of the barracks, just to make sure that people aren't stealing each other's money or somebody's not coming in to steal money. Well, as the AROC and the ARPOC, we never had to stand watches. So they make us stand the watch on the last night. So I'm going to work the last night on watch. And I know this. So I'm, I think my watch went from like 10 till 3 in the morning or whatever it was. So in the last night was kind of like, uh, you know, everybody just kind of reminiscing and signing, like yearbooks signing. We had the cruise books that they printed up for us, which I actually still have mine. Uh, maybe I'll scan some of the photos. We can get them out on the website. Just kind of cool. old. They look like old, like World War II Navy stuff, but it was 1992. Um, so everybody's signing. I'm not. I go under my rack and I sleep because I know it's going to be a long night. People aren't going to, they're, they're, they're ramped up, they're jacked up, they're not going to sleep. So I'm like, I'm on watch, it's going to be a crazy long night. So I wanted to get some sleep, I rest up, I don't get anybody to sign any of my stuff because that's what I'm doing, I'm getting ready for the watch. So now lights are out and it is a free for all. But actually, I'm not even on watch yet, now that I remember that, I wasn't on watch. <laughs> my watch didn't start till later, but the lights go out. And it's free-for-all. And I'm still in my whites. Everybody else is in, is in their, uh, um, you know, skivvies, whatever, to go to sleep. And it's just going nuts. And I am trying to help the two people who are on watch to settle things down because our company commander has duty. Who, it was always the company commander of the graduating class that had duty the night they, before they were going to leave because they knew it was going to be a madhouse. And it was. Things are going nuts. People aren't doing their – they're just – they're not in their racks. They're not doing what they're supposed to. And remember, we're still – this isn't romper room or kindergarten. This is still the military. And there's still some things that, protocols that need to be followed. And it's just, it's going nuts. And we're trying to settle them down because there's other companies that are next to us. And, and it's like after, you know, lights out, they all want to go to sleep. They got to do their regular boot camp stuff the next day. So it get, keeps getting loud. And I, I'm trying to settle it down. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I get smacked smacked in the face with a pillow, like an, and a Navy pillow, not one of those soft pillows. This is a hard rock type pillow, bam, right in the face. And I got so mad, I ended up throwing this guy into a locker and we threw across the table. We almost actually threw down. I mean, so my last night of boot camp, I almost got thrown in the break because I was going to have a fight with a guy because I was so mad. I mean, it just, it, it was like, it just hurt. And so, but they broke us up. And it's still just, uh, just a madhouse. Well, then the, finally the company commander comes in because it's just too loud. He turns on the lights. He goes, oh, you guys got a lot of energy. Let's start cycling. So we push all the racks back. And this is our last night. And he is cycling us. And I'm in my whites. I ruined my shoes that night. I had these brand new Navy shoes, you know, the, the nice black shoes. They were all polished up. And I ruined them that night because I'm the only one who had to cycle in their whites because I wasn't on watch yet. If I, was, if, I was on, I was, if I was not being the good Samaritan, then I wouldn't have ruined my shoes. But that's what I did. We cycled. They finally, everybody finally settled down. And now it was time for me to take the watch after everybody finally settled down. 
And I remember I was at the front, Arpak was at the back, and I just, sit, I just sat there and I watched and I smiled because I knew the next day I was going home. And then, of course, I went to the back and the Arpak is sleeping in an empty rack. There you go. I hope that guy, I don't know what he did in his Navy service, but he was sleeping on watch. Yes, go figure. Oh, well, that's how it ended. No more incidents for the evening. I got a couple hours of sleep, but I didn't care. Totally on adrenaline. Get up, pack. Now, they would bring a bus for people because you go to the airport. You go to the USO at O'Hare and you fly home. But since I was getting picked up, I was getting picked up by my mom and my aunt, I uh, didn't get a bus. I had to march to the front gate. Now, the front gate wasn't close, let me tell you. It was probably about a half a mile away, maybe three-quarters of a mile away. And that in itself isn't a big deal, except when you're carrying a duffel sea bag and a uh, garment bag and a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's, and you're in whites and you're marching, or you're walking, whatever you want to say. Yeah, it, it was kind of a pain, but... Everybody else waiting for the bus, I get to go. And I remember putting on that. I remember marching down. And now I don't have to salute the red, you know, the, 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 the guys wearing the red. I don't have to salute the company commanders because now, I mean, I have to salute officers still because I'm in uniform. But, and I'm like, big smile. And everybody knows you're leaving. They know you're leaving. And even some of the company commanders, they know you've made it. You're now part of the, the Navy uh, club. And they smile at you. And they know that you're, and you could see that the, the envy looks on the, on the other companies that know they got weeks still ahead and they're watching you walk out the front gate. So that's what I did. I walked out the front gate, got in the car, and went and started my uh, two weeks of leave. Two weeks of uh, that paid, you know, that 30 days paid vacation they, they always tell you you have in, in the military, which you do, but you're, you're always, you don't have any weekends really in the, in the military. You're technically always at work. So we're going to wrap. That's boot camp. That's, that's uh, the Tim Kiefer boot camp story. Like I said, I'm sure you have uh, boot camp stories out there that, that are maybe are better than mine. Maybe they're not, but they're probably interesting nonetheless. Maybe you have a, maybe you have a similar story or two. So please, uh, if you'd like to chat it up with me, email me, tim at veteranscast.com. I'd love to talk to you. We're going like, to hopefully get some more veterans on here. CBK might be back. I know a buddy of his was in the Air Force. I'd like to hear about the Air Force boot camp because I heard that was like Club Med or uh, the Sandals Resorts or something like that. Sorry, Air Force people. But uh, that's it for this uh, episode. We'll catch you next time. And as we progress for me, I mean, now it's like I'm headed to A school. I'm headed to my aviation electronics technician school, and there's lots of stories there too. So until the next time, we'll catch you then.